John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12, and I'm going to be uh, reading some very familiar passages of Scripture, but I want to encourage you, don't let the familiarity of these verses of Scripture keep you from getting what God has in store for us. I believe that uh, certainly God has got a word for us here from His Word. John chapter 12 and verse number 17. The Bible says, The people therefore that was with Him, when He called Lazarus out of His grave and raised Him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met Him for that they heard that He had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after Him. Oh, could you imagine what kind of world we'd live in if the world would just go after Jesus? And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Verse number 21 will conclude our reading where the Bible says, The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the privilege and the opportunity that You have given us to be here. I pray for the next few moments that You'd give us clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I pray that everyone here under the sound of my voice, Lord, would open their heart and their mind to the engrafted Word of God, the encouraging Word of God, the, Lord, empowering Word of God. I pray that You would use Your Word to convict, Lord, that You would use Your Word to change. God, that You would use Your Word to challenge each and every one that's here, including myself. And I pray that You would use Your Word to draw us closer to You. Lord, we love You because You first loved us. God, please, I pray that You would anoint me and help me. Lord, I realize that I am nothing apart from You. I'm fully dependent upon Your grace, Your mercy, and Your power, Your strength, God. Lord, we'll be careful to give You the praise and glory that You so truly deserve. We ask all of this in the name that is above all names. In Jesus' name, we do humbly pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen and Amen. We can't really understand chapter number 12 unless we reiterate chapter number 11. And for those who have studied the book of John and those who have read chapter number 11, we're very familiar with a story concerning Lazarus, who was the brother of Mary and Martha. And you know the story. Lazarus died and we understand that Jesus stood outside the, the tomb of Lazarus and He said three words, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible declares, He who was dead, He came forth. And I'm glad, praise God, we serve a supernatural God. A God that is able to raise the dead. And we understand according to Scripture that after Lazarus had been risen from the dead, the fame of Jesus began to spread and we see that Jesus, He went into the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And there we find the picture of Mary surrendering her all to the Lord Jesus as she takes that very, that very precious box of ointment, that spike nerd in the Bible says, she break it and she began to anoint the feet of Jesus and she wiped the, the feet of Jesus with her hair. After that, we see that Jesus gets on a cold and He goes through the holy city of Jerusalem. There we find that the people, they take their palm branches and they began to wave them at Jesus. And the Bible says that they began to say in verse number 13, 
Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. We see that Jesus makes His wonderful entry there into Jerusalem. And there it's right before the Feast of the Passover. And as these people are there in the city of Jerusalem, we find in our reading that there were some Greeks. They came that day to Jerusalem, the Bible says, to worship. They came for one purpose, and that purpose was to see who? It was to see Jesus. We understand that these Greeks approached Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. In other words, they weren't a bunch of Baptists. What do you mean, preacher? They didn't come to observe. They didn't come to speculate. They didn't come to criticize that day. Are you with me? Like a lot of Baptist people in our churches today. Let me ask you this question. Why did you come this morning? I hope you came not to see Chad Elledge because it's not about him. I hope you didn't come to see Keith Watkins because it's not about him. Or David Williams or Kellen Griffin. It's not about us. Amen. It's not about anybody here under this tent. It's all about the Lamb of God. It's all about Jesus. And I've come to see Jesus. That's the reason that I'm here. Amen. We need to ask ourselves, we need to take inventory of our lives every day before we go to church. Why am I really going to church? Am I going to see him or see her or see what he's got on or she's got on? You know, we're all guilty of looking and seeing the problems of people. We're all guilty of not only getting our eyes fixed on people and getting our eyes fixed on problems, but we're all guilty of looking more at possessions than we are the Lord Jesus Christ. My heart's desire is to just see more of Jesus. My heart's desire this morning from God's Word is to challenge everybody under the sound of my voice just to see more of Jesus. The dominating theme of our preaching, the dominating theme of our singing, the dominating theme of our teaching must be Jesus Christ, the Lord. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse number 2 he said, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There we find also in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 16 he says, Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, we see that the Apostle Paul, who wrote many books of the New Testament, he said these words, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. You say, preacher, why should we have such a desire to see more of Jesus? Why should we have such a desire to know more about Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because because Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible says, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the God Godhead bodily. In other words, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in this man named Jesus Christ. May I say that our preaching is vain unless Jesus is exalted. Our singing is in vain unless Jesus is exalted. Our worship is in vain unless it's all about the Lamb of God that's took away the sins of the world. Amen. I believe that Jesus must 
must be the object of our affection. Jesus must be the object of our attention. And Jesus must be the subject of our proclamation and instruction. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse number 18, it teaches that when Paul gazes on the glory of the Lord, he was changed from one level of glory to the next by the working of the Holy Spirit of God. You say, preacher, what happens when I see more of Jesus? Oh, it'll change everything about you. Are you with me? It'll, it'll cause you to be real blessed. I'm here to tell you. I'm, oh, Peter, I'm reminded when uh, Jesus asked the disciples, hey, who do men say that I am? They, some of them replied, oh, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a prophet. Oh, but Peter had the right answer. He said, oh, hey, you're more than just a prophet. Hey, you d- you've done more than speak prophecies. You spoke creation into existence. Peter saw him for who he was and who he is. He said, oh, for thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And do you remember what Jesus said to Peter after that? Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon, Barjona. The reason that Peter was a blessed man was because he saw Jesus for who he is and who he was. All throughout the Scriptures, I'm reminded that we are challenged to look to Jesus, to pursue Jesus. There in the book of Numbers, we understand in the Old Testament that the the Israelites were guilty of sin. And as a result of their sin and their iniquity, God began to, to judge them with those fiery serpents. You know the story. And we see that Moses was to take a serpent. He was to lift it up on that pole. And they were to look in order to live. In other words, they had to look in order to be delivered. And we understand there in the Old Testament, in, in us, as we understand the symbols and the types of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that serpent was a type of sin and that pole was a type of the cross. And we understand that, praise God, Jesus Christ, one day, He took the sin of all humanity and He nailed it to an old rugged cross. Are you with me? And praise God, I'm glad I saw Him one day. And I'm glad I saw myself a sinner going to a devil's hell. And apart from Jesus Christ, I was hell bound. And I'm glad that Jesus paid the price for my sin. I'm reminded there in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what the righteousness of God is? It's Jesus. Are you with me? I'm also reminded there in John chapter number 3, there is John the Baptist stood on the muddy bank of Jordan. He said, oh, he must increase and I must decrease. And I've learned in my own personal life, the bigger he gets, the smaller I get. The bigger Jesus gets, the smaller my problems get. The bigger Jesus gets in my life. Hey, the lower my or the smaller my anxieties get in life. I'm here to tell you that He must increase and we must decrease. There in Mark chapter number 5 and verse number 6 I'll get to my message in just a moment. But I'm reminded there in Mark chapter number 5, that old demoniac that no man could tame. He was cutting himself, breaking away the fetters and the chains and There we find that uh, he was running around the city of Gadara naked and nobody could tame him. But there was a day that Jesus, he said, we must go to the other side. They went across the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says, I love these words, said when Jesus got off that ship, that that man saw... He saw Jesus from afar off and he ran and he worshipped him. You say, what was it preacher? When that man beheld the Lamb of God, things began to change in his life. I'm here to tell you, when we see more of Jesus, 
Things change in our life. Things change in our home. Are you with me? Things will change in our churches. We'll have revival when it's all about Jesus and we see more and more of Him. We must see Him fully. And I believe if we'll see Him fully, I believe that we will love Him utterly. Don't you? And I believe if we'll see Him fully and we will love Him utterly and we'll obey Him completely. And I believe that we will serve Him and we will proclaim His name faithfully. You say, preacher, how can I see more of Jesus? How can I see more of Jesus? I'm going to hasten, but I'm reminded of 2 Peter chapter number 1. Peter, we find... Now, I'm going to slow down. I want you to get a hold of this. And Peter, we find that Peter, in 2 Peter chapter number 1, the Bible teaches us that he saw the Lord. I mean, Peter, he got to spend three years with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. Peter saw Jesus in all of his majesty. Peter saw Jesus in all his humanity. And Peter saw Jesus in all his deity. Peter saw Jesus in all his glory. Peter was actually on the mountain of transfiguration. And boy, he had that glorious experience in his life. And the Bible says concerning Peter that he was an eyewitness of the majesty of Jesus. But I'm reminded there in 2 Peter chapter number 1 that he says we have a more sure word. And some may ask, well, how can you get a more sure word than walking with Jesus? Watching Him perform His miracles. Seeing His humanity, but also seeing His glory. And seeing His deity. How can you, how can you get any more details concerning Christ than that? He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, we have the written Word of God that reveals Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation. Why do we need to see more Jesus? Because we need revival. Our country's in trouble. Our churches are in trouble. And the only answer to, for our children and all the pressures that, that they're experiencing, Brother Ricky, I, I challenge you and I encourage you and I, I commend you for that wonderful message that, that you preached on Wednesday. Oh, how, how it's so needful for homes to realize we've got to get back to the good book. We've got to get back to the Bible because the Bible reveals the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in every situation. But I'm reminded here, according to Scripture, and I'm going to get into my message, I'm reminded here of how Scripture teaches us. It reveals to us the darling Lamb of God. And I want to take just a moment, and I want us to see together more of Jesus. We understand that He is seen in Scripture prophetically. He's seen in the Scripture symbolically. There in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15, we see the seed of the woman. Of course, that seed is referring to Jesus. And it uh, declares how that one day He would come and He would crush the head of that old serpent and destroy His power. And aren't you thankful that that was fulfilled? Amen. I'm glad that Jesus Christ did conquer the devil. He did conquer death. He did conquer hell. Are you with me? We understand as we move on to Genesis. Thank you, buddy. As we move on through Genesis, we see the story of Noah. And there we find that Noah, he builds an ark, and that ark is a safe haven. It's a salvation for, for Noah and his family to escape the judgment 
and the condemnation of God. There we see that Jesus, of course, is our ark. He's our safe haven. He is our salvation. He is the way that we escape condemnation and judgment concerning hell. In Exodus, we see that Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. There in Leviticus, we see Jesus. He's the high priest. There in Deuteronomy chapter 18, we see that Jesus is the great prophet. There, as we move on in the Old Testament, we see in, in the book of Joshua that He's the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, we see that Christ is the great ruler, judge, and king. In the book of Ruth, we see that Christ is our kinsman, redeemer. Song of Solomon, we see that Jesus, He is the bridegroom. We could go on and on and on revealing Jesus throughout the Old Testament. You can't go from Genesis to Revelations without seeing Jesus Christ. He is seen prophetically. He is seen symbolically. But we see according to Scripture that He was seen physically. He was seen physically. I'm reminded that when Jesus was born of a baby, Brother Warren, that He was seen in the crib, if you will. When Jesus was eight days old, you remember the story of Simeon. God made Simeon a promise that Simeon would not die until he saw the Lord. Simeon, the Bible says that he held the Lord in his arms according to the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse number 30. And he says these words, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He was seen in a crib. But as we move further in Scripture, we see that Jesus, he was seen as a a child. Let me back up a little bit. You remember the the shepherds there in Luke chapter number 2. They saw Jesus in a crib in a cradle, in a manger. Are you with me? The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2, in verse number 16, And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, I want you to get a hold of that. When the shepherds had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. I'm persuaded to believe, just like the shepherds, when we see more of Jesus... Oh, we'll have a heart's desire to tell others, to go tell abroad, hey, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, He's alive. He loves you. He came. He died for you. Are you with me? I'm talking about, I'm preaching this morning, trying to on seeing more of Jesus. He was seen in a crib. He was seen as a child at the age of 12. We know the story. He was there in the temple. And there, the scholars and the doctors, the theologians, they were just utterly amazed at how smart and how wise he was. But not only was he seen there in the crib and seen as a child, but we find that 40 days, or 40 years, 30 years rather, later, we understand that, or at the age of 30, Jesus, He's there at the River Jordan. From the age of 12 to the age of 30, it's obvious that Jesus, He submitted His, his life to, to Mary and he, he lived there in the home. And, you know, Jesus is not mentioned anymore from the age of 12 to the age of 30. And so we find at the age of 30, there's Jesus at the River Jordan. And, and essentially we find that Jesus, He approaches John the Baptist and He says, uh, I want you to baptize me. John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unlatch your shoes. You're Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He knew who Jesus was. And there we find that Jesus, He's baptized. And then 
After he's baptized, we see the Spirit descends from heaven in the form of a dove. And the Bible says that the Spirit lighted upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes and he, he goes up to the mountain of temptation. There at the mountain of temptation, we see the devil tempts him. But praise God, Jesus overcomes his temptation. He comes down from the mountain of temptation. Stay with me now, I'm getting somewhere. And there we see that Jesus, He's not only seen in the crib. He was not only seen as a child, but at the age of 30, as He performs His earthly ministry, He is seen by the crowds. Multitudes began to see Jesus. Multitudes began to follow Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 4, in verse number 14 and 15, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of Him through all the region round about. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. I'm reminded there in chapter number 4 of Luke, after Jesus had uh, cleansed a man that had been uh, possessed with demons, the Bible says in Luke 4:37, And the fame of Him went out into every place of the country round about. There we see Jesus as He's performing His earthly ministry. He's causing the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He's cleansing the leper. He's raising the dead from the grave. And multitude after multitudes began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He's seen now by the crowds. But as we see more of Jesus, we see not only was He seen in the crib, and not only was He seen as a child, and not only was He seen by the crowds, but... Brother Jason, we see Jesus. He's suspended between heaven and hell. And there's Jesus. He's seen on an old rugged cross. Jesus, on that old rugged cross, He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus took every lie, every bad thought. Jesus took... Every, every sin, every iniquity, every trespass that you and I would ever commit and place it upon Himself. And He nailed it on an old rugged cross. I can just picture Jesus as she was singing about Calvary. There Jesus was, a bloody mess. There He was, stretched out on that old rugged cross for me and for you. There we see that He went for one purpose. That was to save humanity from our sins. As He's there on that cross, we see that one of the thieves said, Hey, if you were able to perform all these miracles, why don't you get us down from from this cross? But the other, of course, looked at Jesus. I said, He looked at Jesus. I said, He looked at Jesus. That other thief saw Jesus. Brother Keith, he saw something different about the man in the middle the man in the middle that man knew hey he don't deserve to be on that cross i deserve to be here i'm guilty of sin i'm guilty of transgression i'm serving my punishment and i know that i deserve to be here oh but the man in the middle there's just something different about him And there he said, because he looked and saw something different about the man in the middle. He said, will you remember me when you enter into thy kingdom? Will you remember me? Hey, I don't want to perish and die without you. And there we understand that that man, that thief, he was saved by God's amazing grace. 
He was seen in the crib. He was seen by the crowds. He was seen on the cross. But aren't you thankful that that wasn't the last place that Jesus was seen? He was also seen in the cemetery. There we see that Jesus, they took His body down off of that cross, put it in a borrowed tomb. We understand that Mary Magdalene, she came to the tomb that day and of course she was weeping. All hope, according to the disciples and the followers of Jesus, was gone. The Bible says concerning Mary, in John chapter number 20 and verse number 14 to verse number 16, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have been born him, born him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, and she turned herself. She turned herself. You know who she saw? <laughs> she saw Jesus. And here's what she said. She said, Rabboni. She said, Master. In other words, He's not dead. He's alive. Oh, when she saw Jesus, do you think she kept that to herself? Absolutely not. She went and told the others, He's risen. He's risen. He's risen indeed. I'm glad, praise God, that I can proclaim according to the authority of God's Word that we don't serve a dead God. That He has risen. That He has been, been raised from the dead. He is alive. You know why? Because not only was He seen by Mary, but He was seen by over 500. Are you with me? I'm glad Jesus Christ is still alive. We see that He was seen there at the cemetery. But then I'm reminded that when He had... When he had died on that old rugged cross, we understand according to the story concerning Cleopas and the other, they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they were on their way, the Bible says that their eyes, listen, their eyes were withholding, they, they couldn't tell that this was Jesus that joined them. And Now stay with me. As they're on that journey, the Bible says that they're heartbroken, they're sad. Why? Because Jesus... They're the Messiah, their master, their friend. He's just died a cruel death. Jesus, He walks beside them. And He looks at them and He says, Brother Keith, what are these communications that you have and are sad? And of course, they begin to converse with Jesus. Well, haven't you heard? Oh, Jesus, the one that was supposed to bring peace to the earth, He's dead. Brother Warren, we understand as they begin to move on with their journey, they come to their house and... They encourage Jesus to come in and break bread with them. Jesus, He goes in and I can just imagine in my mind, they sit at the table and the Bible teaches us that Jesus, He blessed the, the bread and He break it. And here's what the Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 24 and verse 31. And their eyes were opened. I said their eyes were opened. Do you, do you know what they saw? I'm persuaded to believe here's what they saw. Jesus, He blessed that bread. He broke the bread. And as He gave them that bread, you know what they saw? They saw the nail prints in His hand. They saw Him. They knew Him. Their eyes were open. And He vanished out of their sight. And here's what they said in verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? You see, when we see Jesus in all of His glory, in all of His deity, 
in all of His majesty, I'm here to tell you, it will change everything about us. They had holy heartburn. You know why? Because they saw the darling Lamb of God. The Bible says that their hearts burned within them while he, while he talked with, with them, by the way. And then the Bible says they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. When we see Jesus, it will change everything about us. And it will prompt us to tell others more about Him. Jesus, He was seen in a crib. He was seen physically. He was seen as a child. He was seen on a cross. He was seen in the cemetery. He was seen by Cleopas and the other. But not only was He seen physically, and not only was he, is He seen prophetically and symbolically in the Old Testament, but let me just move on and I'm almost done. I see that Jesus, he's, he One day, He will be seen imminently. What do you mean, preacher? And I wasn't able to be here last night, Brother Keith, and I'm sorry, but I heard that it was a wonderful message preached by Brother Jeremy Simpson, and he preached on the rapture of the church. Can I remind everybody under the sound of my voice that the, the next prophetic thing to take place on God's timetable is certainly that. It is the return of Jesus Christ. Brother Kellen Griffin just got back from, from Israel. I've had the opportunity to go there a couple of times myself and just to see how that prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. It's amazing. And as I've told my church many times, I'm not, I'm not looking for the signs. I am certainly listening for the sound of the trumpet. And I believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. Hey, He's seen in Scripture prophetically and symbolically. He can be seen in Scripture. Amen. He was seen physically. But I'm here to tell you, one of these days, this same Jesus that they saw is the same Jesus that we'll see. I look forward to going to heaven for many reasons. I look forward to the street of gold, the walls of jasper, the gates of pearl. But you know, if I got to heaven and there wasn't a, a street of gold, if it was just gravel, that'd be fine with me, Brother Jason. If I got to heaven and there wasn't, uh, if there wasn't um, uh, gates of pearl, if there was just picket fences, that would be fine with me. If I got to heaven and... There wasn't walls of jasper. If there was just paneling walls, Brother Keith, that'd be fine with me. Oh, it's a, it's a blessing to know that we're going to that e eternal, blissful place. A place where there's no more sorrow, no more curse, no more pain. But you know the reason I look forward to going? Is to see the darling Lamb of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. One of these days, I'm going to see the same one that John saw on the Isle of Patmos. The Bible teaches us that John, as he was on the Isle of Patmos, as God was inspiring him to write that blessed book that was preached from there on Monday night from Brother Cope. Hey, as he was writing what God was inspiring, inspiring him to, to jot down, we see that he heard a voice as a trumpet and he turned around and the Bible declares when he turned around and he saw him when he saw Jesus he fell as a dead man I'm here to tell you when we see Jesus we'll see him we'll bow we'll worship we'll bow humbly amen we'll bow in, in reverence to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords but that's the promise we have one day we will see him the Bible says in the book of 1 John, chapter number 3 and verse number 2, 
I'm almost done. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be. But what we know, that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. How many of you are looking forward to seeing Jesus one of these days? Amen. I'm glad He's not a figment of my imagination. And I'm glad, praise God, that one of these days my hopes of seeing Him is going to become a reality, Brother Ricky. I'll see Jesus face to face and heaven will be worth it all. We find that Jesus, He can be seen prophetically, symbolically. We see that Jesus, He was seen physically. Jesus will one day be seen imminently. I believe it will be soon. But I close with this. Jesus, how can He be seen? Faithfully. What do you mean by that, preacher? He can be seen by us being faithful. If we'll be faithful to God's Word, you know who we'll see? We'll see Jesus. The Bible says this in the book of John chapter 5 and verse number 39. Search the Scriptures. Why? Jesus said, for they're written of me. The Scriptures are all about Him. We need to see more of Jesus because it changes our lives and everything about us. Are you with me? We'll have revival if we'll just see more of Jesus, but we've got to be faithful to the Scriptures because that's where Jesus is found. Be faithful to the Scriptures. We can, be, we can see Jesus through and by the Spirit of God. When, when, God, when Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but who? My Father which is in heaven. You know who's going to reveal Jesus more and more to us? The Spirit of God. God. But you know how Jesus can be seen, and I'm done, by one salvation. By one salvation. You've heard it before, I know. Some people, the only Bible they'll ever read in their life is your life and my life. People are reading us every day. Brother Keith, when they look at my life, I don't want them to see Chad Elledge because it is not about me. Are you with me? I know who I am apart from Jesus. I'm hopeless. I'm just an old country boy saved by grace. I don't have time to give you my testimony, but I'm a product of God's amazing grace, a trophy of His grace. And I can't do nothing, never will be anything apart from Him. I want them to see Jesus when they see Chad Elledge. Remember Moses, when he led the children of Israel there to the Red Sea, remember what he told them? He said, stand still and see what? The salvation of the Lord. In other words... Watch God deliver. I've had the privilege of pastoring. I've had the privilege of pastoring now for, it's been 20, 23 years. See, yes, it's been 11. Let me get this right now. I don't want to tell a lie. It's been 11. I'm sorry, it's been right at 20, 21 years. I've been pastoring. I pastored my first church down at Old Pathway and then been pastoring at, at Leicester now for 11 years. And I've had the privilege, and I know you have Brother Keith, and I know you have Brother Ricky, I know you have Brother Kell and other pastors that are under the sound of my voice. I've had the privilege of watching God deliver people out of some awful things, some horrific things. Are you with me? I'm glad I was saved at the age of 12. I wasn't a drunkard. I wasn't a drug addict. Are you with me? I was sheltered by the grace of God. That's, I have to give Him all the credit for that. Are you with me? But I'm no better than anybody else. I was still a sinner. 
lost and undone without God and His precious Son who needed a Savior. Are you with me? But I've watched God deliver some of the worst drunks and drug addicts. Oh, and completely and radically and supernaturally just changed their life. God can take somebody with a bottle in their hand, a bottle of beer, a bottle of whiskey. I'm talking about an alcoholic and I'm glad that he can put a Bible in their hand. I'm glad that he can take a drug addict. He can give them a high that they've never had. Amen. The Spirit of God. You say, preacher, I'm not quite so. I'm not so sure about all this stuff that you've preached this morning. Maybe you're here and you're questioning whether this this Jesus, that God's Son, that He's real. Maybe you're questioning that. I I was thinking, brother Keith, and I and I promise I'm almost done. Brother Riddle that sang that song Monday night about the little boy, the boy with the cot. Y'all y'all heard that story, but he he sung that story on Monday night. That little boy, he was holding that kite, and boy, he had that kite way up in the sky, beyond the clouds. And there was a man that approached him and said, Hey! He said, What are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. He said, Flying a kite? I don't see no kite. He said, Oh yeah, there's a kite up there. He said, Well, I don't see no kite. He handed that man the string to that kite. He said, You feel the tug? Are you with me? It's not all about feelings. Are you with me? But I'm glad, Brother Jason, that every once in a while I can feel a great tug from heaven. Are you with me? I'm glad He's real. You, you say, Preacher, how do you know He lives within my heart? How do you know? Because God's Word teaches us that He's real. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we all stand to our feet and bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to challenge you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Once again, it's so easy for us to look and get our eyes on people, get our eyes on problems, get our eyes on possessions. But don't, we, don't you agree we all need to turn our attention more on the Lord Jesus Christ? It's been illustrated today from God's Word what happens when we see Jesus. It changes lives. It prompts us to tell others. We need revival. We need it. Our country needs it. You know how we're going to see it? See more of Jesus.